The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 91st ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of the week is the transcendent seven-game run of LeBron James, which is simply some of the best basketball we have ever seen since Dr. James Naismith invented the sport. Uh, in nearby Springfield, Massachusetts, many, many years ago. I've been saying for a long time that the best performance by an athlete that I witnessed in person in all of 2012 was by LeBron James in Game 6 against the Boston Celtics up here at the Boston Garden. It was a night when uh, the city of Boston was... Uh, ready for a party. The Celtics had the 3-2 lead in that series, and what LeBron did that night with 45 points uh, was absolutely amazing. He completely took over the game, and so I have said that uh, that is the night that the new LeBron James was born, the now champion LeBron James, and what he's doing now is simply a continuation of what began that night. Again, I firmly believe, and I said it then, like the day after, that we will look back on his career, and who knows where it's going to go. It could get up to uh, MJ levels for championships and and the like, but uh, we will look back on his career someday, and we're going to pinpoint that night in Boston last spring as the night that uh, LeBron James took it to the next level and literally began his... uh, his reign as a champion. So it is just remarkable to watch. Uh, It almost makes me, on one hand, uh, a little sad to see the All-Star break because that might break the momentum. But in the same light, what better showcase for uh, the All-Star break leading into All-Star weekend with obviously LeBron being featured. 
than, you know, coming off this historic run that he's on. And uh, we'll see what he does over All-Star Weekend, but uh, sure to be interesting. And, of course, the other big highlight of NBA All-Star Weekend is, uh, in case you haven't heard, it's Michael Jordan's 50th birthday. So uh, I think it will be a celebration down in Houston of MJ's career, marking his 50th birthday. And uh, so I, I think it could be a pretty special weekend down there. And uh, so that will bear watching uh, as the weekend goes by with both the game and, of course, all the attached events uh, around the All-Star weekend. My low light of the week is the stunning arrest of the Blade Runner. Oscar Pretorius from South Africa. Uh, of all the great highlights of last summer's Olympics in London, uh, maybe the best, and cer- certainly on the very short list of the best highlights, uh, was the Blade Runner's uh, performance in that qualifying heat, allowing him go on to go on to the uh, to the next stage, and it was a moment I was watching live, like many many worldwide, and certainly here in America, and it was just uh, unique, something we had never really before seen in the world of sports, and uh, again memorable. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was on like a Saturday, late morning, early afternoon here on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, I was glued and it was special. And I mean, really special. And I just remember walking away and saying, this is just, uh, again, brand new, something we've just never before seen in sports, if in any other endeavor. And, uh, wow, to see and hear that he was arrested for murder of his girlfriend is again, uh, stunning. Uh, the story is still unfolding obviously, but, uh, you know, the shock factor, uh, is unparalleled, uh, with what's gone on here since we all heard it. And, uh, we'll see what develops there, but it is again, just a, uh, uh, stunning, shocking story to really, uh, person who had become one of the most celebrated athletes in the world simply because of the fact that he had uh, no legs below the knees for his entire life. So it's just just incredible. My bizarre story of the week is uh, the knee injury suffered by Nerlens Noel of Kentucky the other night. Uh, as most of you know, he was the number one High school player last year, no surprise, he chose Kentucky. It was probably going to be one and done, like most of them are down there, <clears throat> and uh, and probably be the number one pick in the draft, following up uh, Anthony Davis uh, from Kentucky. And it's just, I call it bizarre because I just find the one and done rule bizarre. Uh, I just think it's frankly un-American. Um, in my mind, you know, it's the American way that when you have a unique talent, such as Nerlens Noel and basketball or in any other endeavor, I don't care if it's Bill Gates dropping out of Harvard, what it is, once you graduate high school or get to age 18, you should be able to 
make money off that unique talent. Again, it's the American way. And to restrict these players and, you know, this guy could have been earning millions, if not tens of millions, playing in the NBA, no different than LeBron a few years back, speaking of LeBron, by the way, who went directly from high school to college. And uh, again, the one and done rule in my mind, in my estimation, is it's just a sham. I mean, it's a sham for the collegiate sports system. There's just no reason for it. It's, you know, it's just something that these players are forced to do under the current, uh, the current rules. And it has absolutely nothing to do with getting an education in college. It just doesn't. And I can, uh, again, so again, I just believe it's truly un-American. You know, when you get to age 18 slash graduate from high school and you have a talent that somebody, anybody is willing to pay you money for, particularly if it's millions of dollars, you should be able to go out and make that money. So here's hoping that Nerlens Noel recovers uh, like Adrian Peterson did from his knee injury and ultimately and hopefully soon is indeed a high NBA draft pick, if not the number one draft pick, and can earn the millions that he so richly deserves thanks to his unique talent that, oh, by the way, he, like many other athletes, has developed his entire life. So he deserves to make the money that uh, could be awaiting him. And lastly, uh, as far as events of the week, um, NFL player engagement, with which I am actively engaged, uh, is having a very, very busy and interesting weekend down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, they're holding three conferences, summits, what have you. Uh, it started yesterday with, uh, you know, with a NFL NCAA Life Skills Summit roundtable for student athletes. And then it continues uh, starting today um, with the second uh, event, which is uh, life, NFL NCAA Life Skills Education and Professional Development Summit, which is uh, approximately 75 or so NFL player engagement and equivalent counterparts at the college level uh, participating in a three-day conference. And then uh, getting it w underway on Sunday is the uh, NFL NCAA Coaches Academy which, again, will bring uh, a large number of coaches uh, into Charlotte, North Carolina, where they will be hearing from uh, very impressive faculty on, you know, how to become a coach, basically. And so all three events are occurring at the same location in Charlotte, back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back. And for NFL player engagement, it is uh, – uh, the beginning of their season, shall we say, which immediately following the end of the NFL on-field season, which obviously ended in New Orleans at the Super Bowl. So, again, it's very, uh, very exciting, um, 
very impressive programs. Great to see the NFL and NCAA working so closely together, all for the ultimate development and uh, maximizing the potential of student-athletes. So, again, it's just it's a wonderful thing, and uh, it's going to be fun to see the outcome of that and, uh, again, how these two very important organizations, the two most important organizations in football in the United States, if not the world, and, uh, again, how they can basically maximize the potential of the student-athletes and just take what we have and just take it to the next level. So with that said, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports football and so much more is the focus of planet gridiron with damian anderson join the former arizona cardinals running back for a show that mixes well a little bit of everything damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field the goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and, of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. He'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And at that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? 
I'm excellent, John. Thank you. How are you? Good. A little nicer today than last Friday, huh? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Well, yeah. I must. I uh, don't want to spend much time on this, but I have to just simply talk about the driving ban, which we shockingly received the news about here in Massachusetts during the show last Friday. And I must say, uh, given what happened on the Long Island Expressway and to a degree even down in Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts is looking pretty smart for implementing that driving ban, where basically they uh, handled the blizzard as seamlessly as you could ever handle 28 inches of snow. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for as often as we have to deal with 28 inches of snow, which thankfully isn't very often, yeah, I, I thought that was very prudent and very, and very intelligent because, you know, there's always somebody who thinks, and who thinks you know, when they have a, an SUV or they have four-wheel drive, you know, people think they can drive through anything. And they, they uh, the reason why they have laws like that is obviously people can't drive through anything. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it probably... Uh, you know, saved some accidents and saved, you know, a lot of, a lot of angst for a lot of people. So, uh, it takes a lot of pressure off too, because, you know, if you feel like you, 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 you were thinking about going somewhere or doing something, it kind of takes that out of your hand. So, you know, maybe in, in that, in that sense, in that particular situation, it was, it was a good thing. But, um, you know, I know for me, I normally, you know, drive, uh, normally drive down New York on Friday, but, uh, obviously that didn't happen last week and I didn't get down on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, so it was, it was, that was probably a good thing, and uh, now uh, everything is you know, relatively back to normal in most parts of the state. I think there are still some areas that are you know have you know still have uh, some shoveling issues or some snow clearing issues because you know let's face it, when you have 28 inches of snow, you know you kind of run out of, run out of places to put it after a while. So um, I, I I think it's, it's it's more that than anything else. And plus, too, it's unfortunate that. Uh, you know, we've had temperatures in the 40s last year where a lot of this has melted and, you know, the roads are no longer a real issue. So well, we, we've all got through it, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good story to tell for the future. Absolutely. Well, I had to touch touch on that subject because, uh, you know, when it happened last week, it was basically the first time in my, and I believe your lifetime, that I ever remembered a driving ban being imposed. And something tells me... Uh, it may not be the last one, so we shall see, but time to move into sports and big weekend for the NBA following a big week for the NBA, which was simply the transcendent performance, as I said at the top of the show, of LeBron James, where basically he has uh, taken his game and almost the game of basketball to a new level over the last week, week and a half. Uh, what he's doing has been incredible. I think it's 30, seven games in a row of 30 points or more and just narrowly missed last night where they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder of becoming the first player ever to average 30 points a game or score 30 points or more over seven straight games while shooting 60% or more. He ended up shooting, what, 58% because he missed a couple of shots at the end. So whatever. It's been a record-type performance. And uh, wow. Again, I went back to, as I often do in the last, you know, nine months to uh, game six up here in Boston where I thought we saw, you know, a new LeBron James. And I think that's the LeBron James we're still seeing today. Yeah, I mean it is, it is it is really historical too, right? I mean you know, no, yes. nobody's ever, ever done this, and, and again, you know, it's, it's, as you as you mentioned, it came you know within a, a shot at the end of, of doing it again. So you know, it, it's just it's really been amazing to watch, and it's been amazing to kind of see 
see LeBron kind of, you know, kind of cement his reputation uh, as someone who is thought of as, as, as among the greats of the game. And I, and I think he was probably there already, but, you know, there's, 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 always, there's always haters out there. There's always people who kind of think, well, you know, he can't, he can't, he'll never be thought of the same way as Michael or thought of the same way as Kobe. Uh, in fact, it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, talking about Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, Michael Jordan's you know, 50 years old now, and uh, and he was asked the other day, you know, who you, who he would take, you know, Kobe or or LeBron. Of course, it's, it's a no-win situation. You have to answer a question like that in the first place. But but Michael's answer was actually, you know, he just basically went by numbers. He says, look, he says. He says, uh, Kobe's won five championships, LeBron has won one. You know, five is more than one. So if you're asking me who I would take right now, I'd have to take Kobe. Now, you know, that's not to say that, you know, in, 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 in 10 years or so, uh, uh, LeBron will have more titles than Kobe. And if that's the case, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Michael would, would kind of rethink his answer. But, you know, right now, it's hard to argue. I mean, they're, they're, they're two great players who play different positions, who do different things for the team. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, it's something to ponder. And I, I think, and I think a lot of the reason why you know, we, we have these conversations now, I really do think a lot of it is just based on this run that LeBron has just had. And I think there's, there's a lot of people who really are not Miami Heat fans. And, you know, I think a lot of people as, as the Yankees, if you will, of the NBA. I and mean, people either love them or hate them, you know, kind of like the whole, Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, you know, American team kind of thing. So, um, you know, a lot of people do not like the heat, especially in, in New York and in Boston, you know, where, where we reside. So right. I think there's, there's, there's that, that, that built in, um, dislike of LeBron James because of that. However, you know, if you just look, look at the numbers and look at what he's accomplished. And, and again, I, I think his, his accomplishments and what he's done over this, 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 Historic stretch that he's just been on, you know, it maybe changes that team changes the dynamic that just a little bit. And you know, if he wins another title with the Heat this year, maybe wins a couple more, you know, then we think of him in, in, in another way. But you know, clearly he's the best player in the NBA right now, and he's playing best of, of anybody. He's the best player in the league. His performance is better than anybody else right now, and, and certainly in the first half of the year. And it will, will it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the second half of the season. But uh, He's been terrific, and as, as someone you know who, who is not a huge LeBron James James fan of you know some of the things he's done, and you know uh, I think eventually we kind of have to let let go our dislike of, of the decision. You know, I think a lot of us you know, still harbor some some bad feelings about LeBron over that and the way that was handled, but you know that that might be more geared toward his agents and the way and just the way his handlers uh, kind of. Had that whole thing go down, so that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But I think as time goes on, and he does win rings, and he, he kind of cements his his place uh, among the the all time greats, and, and I think he, he's taking some huge steps toward getting there. Well, I agree, and everybody also agrees that you know the decision was a bad decision by him. But you know that aside. You know, I don't understand the haters. I mean, you know, everybody loved him when he was the high school prodigy on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And, uh, you know, he doesn't get in trouble. Aside from the decision, he hasn't really made bad decisions. You know, a couple of things here and there with, you know, whatever, taking off his jersey in Boston at the end of a playoff game, walking off the court, whatever, you know, minor stuff. And, uh, 
You know, he, he is a complete beast at his size. We've never seen anything like it. What I like the best about what he's doing, because it reminds me so much of Larry Bird, is uh, he's adding something to his game, it seems, each offseason. And this year, of course, it was his low post play, which is obviously direct cause and effect. That's what's increasing his shooting percentage suddenly. So, you know... Larry Bird was famous for that, and now LeBron seems to be doing that, uh, picking a piece of his game for where he can improve and focusing on it in the offseason. And everybody had said for years, you know, if he could ever, you know, bring a low, low post game to his repertoire, watch out, and we're in the watch out phase because he has. And I think, I just think it's fun. And, uh, you know, so here we are, NBA All Star weekend. Uh, you might have heard, as you already referenced, that Michael Jordan's turning 50. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting celebration. I mean, to me, it basically is, you know, the perfect storm, given LeBron's play and MJ turning 50, to compare the two. And it's already started big time. He, LeBron even tweeted, you know, I'm LJ, not MJ. But I think that's going to be basically the, the talk of the weekend uh, down in Houston. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's really, I, I don't know, it seems almost sacrilegious to even suggest that someone could, could be a better basketball player, basketball player than Michael Jordan in a way. But, uh, you know, things do change and things do evolve and, and, and the game changes and you know, the, the way the game, game is played, uh, has changed. You know, I think, you know, even since Michael's play, you know, I think we have a lot more athletic players now. Uh, the game is faster. The players are bigger, and I think you can make that case with almost almost every uh, every major sport now, right? I mean, there's more talented players. Uh, they're bigger. They're stronger. The, the nutrition is better. The training is better. The, uh, the 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 medical attention is better. Every even even since since when Michael played, you know, uh, back in the day. Now, you know, back in the you know, mid '90s, early 2000s, uh, we've made the tremendous strides, and we we continue to do that with with with, with all our sports. But you know, I can honestly say. That uh, Michael was responsible for one of one of the greatest live sporting events I ever witnessed uh, back in uh, back in the mid '90s. Uh, after he had come back uh, from his uh, from his foray and, and his, uh, his time away from the NBA, when he was playing playing baseball and, and so forth, when he came back with the Bulls and uh, his first trip back to Madison Square Garden, they played the Bulls played the Knicks, and uh, Michael dropped 55 points on the Knicks, and that was just an incredible, incredible performance. What people, uh, one of the side notes that people may not remember about that game was the Bulls wound up winning the game on a last second, uh, basket, not by Jordan, but by Bill Wennington of all people, uh, who was <laughs> open underneath and, uh, and Jordan fed him the ball. Everybody was expecting Michael to take that last shot and he did. He passed the ball off to Wennington who scored the winning basket in that game as the Bulls beat the Knicks. And that was just one of the most is incredible live performances I've ever seen and, and, and continues to rank there uh, to this day. So, you know, I, I always have a soft spot, you know, thinking about Michael Jordan and just being, just feeling very fortunate to be able to, you know, watch him play, play live many times, you know, back when I was covering the, covering the Knicks and during my time working with the NBA. So uh, just a, just an incredible, incredible treat to watch Michael play live. And I think, uh, I think, now that we can watch LeBron playing, you know, a different type of game and, and doing what he does very well, uh, it's uh, it, it's great to see. And you know, there's there, there's always going to be 
torches past, and you know it's it, it, it's very difficult, I think, in any sport to compare players from different eras, uh, different styles of play. You know, it, it, it's like in baseball, it's like you know comparing, you know, Hank Aaron to Babe Ruth, which was always kind of crazy because you, you couldn't because they played in two different, totally different times, totally different circumstances. The game changed so much. Again, for the reasons that we mentioned before, but maybe more so. But I think you have that mindset in every every situation. So. Um, with every generation, there's going to be new stars and and new uh, new milestones to pass. And, uh, and LeBron is certainly uh, making the most of his of his time in in, in that spotlight uh, right now. Absolutely, and you know, just back to Michael. Uh, for me, my I got to see him play in person, not but not not until he was uh, wrapping it up. Uh, I believe it was his first year with the Washington. Bullets slash Wizards. Uh, so I did get to see him play, play in person, and it was early when he went to the Bullets. So he wasn't the Michael Jordan we knew, but he was still pretty good that night. That was in the Boston Garden. But more importantly, uh, I learned about Michael Jordan's game like many of us did when he scored 63 points against the Celtics in that playoff game. I'll never forget it against Larry Bird and the Big Three, DJ and uh, Danny Ainge and... Uh, just something no one ever thought they'd see in the Boston Garden, let alone in a playoff game. And Bird, of course, had the famous line afterwards uh, where he said, you know, that was God disguised as Michael Jordan today. And uh, and that was, you know, I talk about the day LeBron was born. Uh, in my mind, that's the day Michael Jordan was born. Uh, they lost the game, but, you know. Everybody knew about Michael Jordan from that day on, not that they weren't aware of him before having hit the game-winning shot to win the national championship. But, again, that that was the day where he uh, woke up America, what his game was all about. And with that said, we're going to take our break, and I know you're sticking around on the other side. So uh, we'll talk a little uh, hockey and baseball, which we haven't done for a while, uh, when we come back on the other side. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports every wednesday you'll want to talk sports with touchdown tony collins and his co-host bill mattis tony's broken records and has been to the pro bowl and the super bowl we'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news action and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have walleye champion Tommy Scarless and Dave Merrinan with Minn Kota Trolling Motors. Hey, we'll also have outdoor rider Thomas Allen, Cat Daddy, and Unpro Fishing's Chance Orth. When we talk about tips and tactics for early spring fishing for walleye, bass, catfish, and panfish. And of course, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel plus Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. 
We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, here we are in mid-February, and uh, we barely talked any hockey obviously mostly due to the lockout but now the season uh has been underway for a few weeks i know you're a hockey guy so i'd love to hear what uh what your thoughts are about the first couple weeks of the nhl i think there's a different clearly a different dynamic this year than than there normally is only because you know we did have the lockout and you know everything is kind of more condensed and you know a 48 game schedule so you know there you know there really isn't a whole lot of time for teams to kind of you know, work things out and you know if the team is slumping if something isn't going right you, you you have to kind of find a way to fix it quickly uh the problem with that is there just isn't much practice time now because because you know, everything is just is just mushed together because you have you have teams playing back-to-back games three games of four nights with the travel you know i think there's just way less practice time so it's almost as if you know teams have to either use your pregame skates for more instructional things, which normally doesn't happen, or you know you just kind of have to find your way during games. I mean, uh, you know, to use the New York Rangers as an example, I mean their power play really hasn't been very good to start the season, and you know normally I think we would have a situation where you know you, you, they'd be talking in practice about you know different combinations and getting things right, and uh, you know really uh, really addressing it. And their coach, John Tortorella, who is really a hands-on, very aggressive coach, who you know, really is, is, doesn't have a pension for being patient on anything, said the other day, well, we're just going to have to let, them, let the players figure it out and play, which is a very un-Tortorella thing-like thing to say. But, but you understand, because there just isn't the time to teach. There isn't the time to work things out. So I think, especially with, with, with teams, some teams that are veteran teams are going to be an advantage because they'll be able to figure it out a lot quicker than maybe younger teams who don't have that kind of experience, who don't uh, have that with that mental wherewithal to kind of to kind of juggle things around and, and kind of work it out amongst themselves, which you, you kind of you kind of have to do this year. Again, a completely different dynamic than what we're used to seeing. And, you know, I, I think the key is the teams that can, that can stick together, the, the teams that can figure it out, the teams that stay healthy, um, those are going to be the teams that that are there when the season ends. I mean, I think you know uh, the Bruins have looked really good to start the season. Obviously, the Blackhawks have gotten off to a great start. So 
you know, uh, yeah, they're at a big advantage because you know, there's just that they're just that much closer to the finish line in a race that's a lot shorter, if that makes sense. So, you know, in a way, if, if, if you're going to look at it from a, I don't know how great analogy if this is, but, you know, from, say, it's a horse racing analogy, say, if the, if the normal regular season is, uh, you know, is a mile-long race, say, uh, we're talking about maybe a five-four-long sprint uh, for this NHL season. So everything happens quicker. Everything is 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 on top of you quicker. So you just have to figure out a way to deal with it. And again, I really believe that that teams are the veteran teams, teams that have that that veteran leadership are the ones that are going to be able to you know kind of get the better of things during this regular season and then going right into the playoffs. Yes, well, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, with your uh, perspective. And, you know, I'm anxious to see how it goes because I'm a big believer that the regular seasons in both hockey and basketball are too long. And I thought that uh, basketball last year turned out fabulously. I think it started on Christmas Day and had a similar number of games, around 50 or so. And, you know, the the playoffs highlighted by the Heat Celtics, which I was lucky enough to witness, uh was spectacular, and I mean spectacular, uh, fresher legs, what have you, and uh, and I'm well aware of the kind of uh, odd start that the season got off to, and I think the same occurred here in hockey, but I got the feeling, you know, uh, again, it's kind of awkward times the first few weeks, what have you, but uh, I think by the time that they get... Uh, uh, towards the end of the season, which again will only be in 40, 48 games, uh, that they're going to have fresher legs and the playoffs are going to be that much better. We shall see. But, you know, uh, again, I just believe the regular seasons are too long. And uh, to me, I won't even begin to talk about baseball yet. We'll, we'll leave that for another day as far as their regular season. But, uh and to me, that's what gives the NFL the edge and, and you know, captures America. Uh, you know, I look, every game's important. I look back to being at the second game of the year, the first home game of the year last September, Patriots, St. Uh, Louis, Arizona Cardinals, when the Cardinals, of course, pulled the upset and in Gillette Stadium when uh, Stephen Goskowski missed a chip shot that would have won the game. But I remember just thinking right then and there, you know, this is going to cost them, and ultimately it didn't because the Houston and uh, Texans collapsed, so they still had home field advantage. But uh, but anyway, my point is simply that, you know, even a game in September, first home game of the year, really, really matters. And, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, hockey and basketball uh, – it's just too. It's just tough to get excited when they're both, you know, during an 81 game season about, you know, game 20, 30, or 40, or 50. You know, as they get to the end of the year and people are jockeying for playoff spots, absolutely, it's interesting. But uh, so I'm not saying I'm in favor of lockouts as as the norm by any means, and I don't think they're gonna go back to shorter seasons either. Uh, they're getting revenue for 81 games, so they're going to keep that revenue. But this may be my last ever chance to say I like the shortened season, so I figured I would just get it out there. And, uh, again, I, I just find that, you know, the games have a little more meaning already. And uh, here in Boston, you know, the Bruins are off to just a terrific start. So, you know, it, there's a lot of excitement uh, 
you know, being generated since there's no excitement whatsoever for the Red Sox. And of course the Patriots are done. And, uh, so the Bruins are, are the team right now. And it's feeling a lot like, you know, some of that sort of residual excitement from the, the Stanley cup year, just a year and a half ago is, uh, you know, bubbling to the surface here already. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you say. I mean, I, I would even take it a step further, you know, and I, I think the, you know, certainly the players associations for, 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 for the NBA and NHL wouldn't want to hear this, but, you know, not, not only would it be, would it be better to see shorter regular seasons for all the, all the reasons we mentioned, because let's face it, I mean, as we said, last year's NBA season, 66 games was terrific. It really was. And, you yes. know, I don't think any, I don't think any, NBA fan. I mean, obviously, you know, you're talking about revenue for teams. You're obviously talking about a business. Obviously, you're talking about, you know, people who depend on NBA and NHL games for their livelihood. You know, people who work at the arenas, you know, people who work at the you know, restaurants and bars outside the arenas, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not talking about any of that, which, are, which is a factor, and I understand that. But just for the pure game itself, okay, I, I, I think it would be very interesting to see Shorter regular season in the NHL and NBA. I mean, certainly we, you know, save the wear and tear on the on the players for the playoffs. But uh, I'll tell you what, I I would I would not be averse to seeing some contraction in both leagues. I really think there's just there's just, just and again strictly from a a fan's perspective point of view, not entering any any of those other areas, which obviously would be would be a bad thing you know, with the economy and all. But you know, just based on watching games as a sports fan. You know, I, I I think there are some teams out there you probably wouldn't 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 miss they didn't exist anymore. You know, and I I think we all kind of know what teams we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, and, and I think it would be you know obviously you know less jobs, uh, you know less less uh, you know better better players at, at at the bottom positions. I mean, you know, going back to when you know we we were very young. I remember my dad was a season ticket holder. Uh, the New York Rangers back, you know, back when he was a back when he was a young guy, and that was during the original six days. There were only, you know, a lot of people forget there were only six NHL teams for a very long time, and the the competition level was such where my dad always used to say it was great because, you know, there were only five other teams you saw, and you knew every player in the league, and and you had rivalries with every other team, you know, no matter who you were playing, because. That you played against each other 20 times a year, and everybody hated each other because you know you didn't have these these games playing you know cross conference teams you never saw teams you know, you never heard of half the players you knew every player in the league you saw them all the time and you know and they were they were hard fought battles every night and, I, and, I, and you know I, and I think it must have been pretty cool back in those days you know to to, to watch the NHL at that level but uh, I'm not saying you should go, we should go back to 16s I'm just saying you know it, it would be it might be interesting if there were a way to contract an intelligent, strategic sort of way where you're not losing teams from real, real big markets or teams that have really made an impact. Because, you know, let's face it. I mean, can, can anybody really name, name anybody who plays the Florida Panthers? I mean, have they made any kind of inroads at all? You know, I mean, you know, it just, it just seems to me like there there are just some, some quintessential. Uh, Mediocre franchises that really, honestly, probably wouldn't be missed. I mean, as long as we're we're, we're talking about this, right? I mean, I just think it would be interesting to at least have a discussion to see, you know, what 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 ramifications there would be and how it would affect the game. I mean, obviously, again, from a business perspective, it will never happen for the reasons we mentioned. 
but just from just from a pure quality of the game uh, discussion, I think it'd be interesting to see. I really do. Absolutely. No, I agree. I'm with you. I, I totally agree. Uh, less would be more in this particular case. And uh, with that said, it's time for our final break. I know you're sticking around uh, on the other side to wrap up the show. And uh, with that said, we'll take our break now. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And still on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, we were talking about uh, shortened regular seasons for hockey and basketball, and just along those lines... Uh, I found myself pondering that same topic uh, recently, uh, particularly the other night, uh, regular season college basketball. There are so many games each night, and uh, I watched one of the only games that I watch every year this time of year in regular season college basketball, which is, of course, North Carolina at Duke. I just love to watch, you know, the atmosphere, the Cameron crazies, the whole bit, and that's, of course, one of the great robberies in all of sports, but... Regular season college basketball, it is just 
you know, there's so many games every night and they just seem to run together. And uh, at this time of year, when theoretically they're nearing the end, when they should be getting better and more important, they in fact feel less important because we're all just waiting for March Madness. Uh, and more importantly, between now and March Madness, we have what I consider, you know, somewhat meaningless conference championships, which, again, these days, no, it's, it doesn't really decide who ends up in the tournament. So, again, college basketball. What are, you, what are your thoughts on regular season college basketball? <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I tell people this all the time, and I, and I, I truly believe this. And, you know, I think, you know, we're, you know, we're obviously above, you know, way above average when it comes to, you know, uh, our, 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 uh, our love for sports. I really right. do believe that the regular season of college basketball is the most meaningless exercise that exists in sports for some of the reasons you mentioned. Um, the way I feel about it for, for a couple of reasons. For number one, and I think it's become worse than, you know, in, in recent years just because of the oversaturation of games. I mean, you know, uh, it never used to be where you could watch, you know, 10 college basketball games every night of the week you know, because between ESPN, between all the regional networks, I mean, there's so much on. There's just an oversaturation of games. It just takes the meaning out of, you know, whatever games you have. And right. And on top of that, you know, regular season games, all right, well, who cares? You can, you know, you can have a, you can have a horrible regular season record and you can still win conference tournament. You get out at the end. I mean, you know, you know, realistically, maybe not so much, but ostensibly you can, I mean, you can, you know, you can have a you, you can go four and eighteen or whatever, and you know, you, you, if you get you get lucky, you can knock off a top seeded team. You, know, you get lucky, you can you know win your conference tournament and get into the big dance. You can do it. It, it can happen. It has happened. Uh, now, the other thing too is, and as you and you just mentioned, the the fact that you know maybe the the uh, the conference tournaments are rendered less meaningful because now you're you're getting more and more teams into March Madness, into the NCAA tournament. They keep adding more and more teams and adding more and more levels. And then you have the NIT, and it's just, it's just too much. It's crazy. Right. I mean, you know, yes. I, I, I shudder to think, I mean, of all the Division One schools in the country, you know, I'll bet you, you know, 80% of them are in some, some tournament at the end of the season. You know, now you have the NCAA tournament, and there, you have the NIT, and there's some other conference tournament, there's some other new tournament, which... I can't remember the name of it. Some 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 other acronym. I can't remember what it, what it is. But it, it, it's too much. It's, you know, for you know, it, it's just crazy. You know, I, I it, it really it waters it down. It waters down the meaning of of all of the games, not just conference tournaments, because you know you don't have to win your conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament, especially from you know when the bigger uh, you know more basketball centric conferences, you know, like the Big East and and you know and the SEC and some of these you know the ACC and some of these other conferences. You know where you get you know, a whole bunch of teams in, and you know that you, you you just do it. It's just the way it is. Um, you know it means more for your 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 mid majors and some of your smaller conferences where you know, the only team that gets in is the one that wins the tournament. For them, it remains meaningful. But you know, for most of the teams and programs that people actually care about and pay attention to, uh, it really doesn't really matter that much because you know you know you know North Carolina's getting in the tournament. You know Duke's getting in the tournament. You know Kentucky's getting in the tournament. It kind of doesn't matter if they win their conference tournament or not. You know they're getting in, and you know they're going to get a relatively top seed, and you know they're going to, you know, relatively, you'll probably have a good chance of going real far and have a chance to win. So, 
you know, I, I, I think for all the reasons above, and, and, it, and I think it just seems worse now because we see, we see so many more games and there's just such an oversaturation of games on, on TV. And, you know, now you have the internet. You can watch games online now. Games that are on TV, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, for instance, like an ESPN3 kind of deal where, you know, games that aren't on TV necessarily, you still watch them on your, on your computer. So you can watch, game, you know, teams, you know, mid-conference games, teams you never heard of, teams you'll never see again. You can watch them if you want to. It's all out there. It's all available to you. But, uh, yeah, I, I think for all those reasons, you know, I'll, 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 I'll pass on regular season college basketball. Yes, me too. I mean, Bottom line, the thing most hurting it is it doesn't matter for most teams if they lose, period. I mean, it doesn't matter if a team loses. To me, it just takes, you know, so much of the competition and, you know, you know the enjoyment of watching it right out of the equation. As far as the NIT goes, you know, I liken it to, you know, the bowl system in college, so to speak, in that, you know, it's like all these meaningless bowls that really the only people we're interested are in are, you know, current students and alumni. And then, of course, the team and their families, because nobody else really cares. I mean, you know, if you win or lose a meaningless bowl game, it just doesn't matter. Right. Um, and, and, and the and same with many, NIT. Many, yeah. I mean, how many bowl games do we see played in front of, you know, Stadiums that were three quarters empty. I mean, what's the oh, point? Oh, it's, right? it's totally I mean, embarrassing, and it is. I mean, what's the point of even having bowl games? It's, it's just silly. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a meaningless exercise. I mean, there's you know another topic, but it's, I mean, you brought it up, but yeah, there's way too many college bowl games too. I mean, there's 119, 120 Division One football teams, and you have like 70 of them playing bowl games. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. Right. It's 35 bowl games, 70 teams out of 120 Division. It's, that's insane. It's just crazy. It really is, uh, you know, and again, I, I think we're just all in this, you know, holding pattern now waiting till March. And it's like each night there just seems to be more and more and more college games on, you know, really uh, at least a half a dozen or more channels. And again, I just find it, uh, you know, all pretty tedious um, and, you know, more important, meaningless. So. We shall see. And, Barry, we're under two minutes, but I just quickly want to get your take on uh, the arrest of Oscar Pretorius for murder of his girlfriend. Uh, just want to hear your thoughts on this stunning story. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, we've already, we're, we're only in February, right? We've already seen two stories this year that, that would be up for, you know, uh, the most bizarre sports story if we had a full 12 months. You know, of course, you know, we had the whole uh, Monte Teo debacle last month. And now oh, yeah. this, I mean, this is, just, this is just stunning because, you know, here's a guy who was really looked upon, you know, in much a Lance Armstrong kind of way. This guy was a hero. I mean, this guy was a, 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 someone who people looked up to, an inspiration to, to millions of people for what he accomplished. You know, uh, you know the, the Blade Runner, and now people are people are calling Blade Gunner now. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. <laughs> and, it's just, you know, there's obviously nothing funny about it, but... Um, it's just uh, just a bizarre, uh, just such a bizarre, strange story, and you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to see how this pans out. But you know, uh, from, from, from all from all looks, from all appearances, it, it looks like it's, it's a very obviously a very disturbing and very troubling story. Uh, if, 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 if he indeed is the you know he's now the uh, alleged murderer of his of his model girlfriend, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And you know, it's, but uh, you know, when you when you read about his life and the way he lives his life, you know, despite his handicap, you know, he's always been the kind of 
always been a kind of like a reckless liver, uh, you know, crashing cars. He has a fascination with firearms, supposedly. You know, it's not a real good recipe for a stable, normal kind of life. So, you know, I'm not saying that that, that you should judge him by that, but, you know, we'll obviously, all the facts will obviously come out, uh, you know, as, 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 as this story moves forward. But, you know, at, at, at the least, a very... A very, uh, very, very troubling, very disturbing story out of South Africa. Absolutely, absolutely, and I uh, hate to end the show on a subject like that, but nonetheless, very newsworthy. So I did want to get your opinion. Suffice it to say, it's sad. And with that said, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening again today, and thank you, Barry, for calling in as always. And uh, we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.